You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for joining us. Detroit photographer Amy Saka wanted to get to know her father better. So she got in a car and drove 10,000 miles photographing people out on the frozen lakes in and around Michigan as they enjoyed a culture of ice fishing and other activities. It's something Saka and her father did together when she was young. But she soon noticed something. That culture, that culture that brought her together with her father, it's under siege, not by other people, but by the changing climate which slowly threatens the ice cover on the Great Lakes. Her stunning photos are now part of a recent story in National Geographic. Amy Saka joins us now to talk about her work, her father, and ice fishing. Amy, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have you here. So let's just start with the stunning nature of these photos <laughs> and the unlikely, I guess, uh, circumstances that led you there. This is not what you were setting out to do, but it's this wonderful, wonderful byproduct of this search to get to know your dad. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so my dad has been ice fishing on the Great Lakes for 50 years. And as a kid, you know, sometimes I would go out with him fishing, but um, it really wasn't something that I was totally interested in. <laughs> but it was a common thing for us as kids to kind of, we'd be asleep as teenagers and then we'd wake up and he'd be coming in he'd already have been out on the ice for three hours and he would come in with this bucket of fish and he would then cook up the perch in the house and I remember waking up to the smells of fish and and really I kind of had an aversion to fish for quite a long time because <laughs> of that <laughs> so um but he Again, it's something that he's done his entire life. And I think as you get older, I, I'm one of the reasons I moved back to Detroit was to kind of be around my parents more. And I started to become curious about what my dad was, was up to, right? <laughs> he would leave, and that was his space. That was an important time for him. And I just wanted to get to know him better. And I thought, what a cool way to marry both of our passions, because I'm a passionate photographer, and he's passionate about getting out there on the ice and fishing. And so I decided, two years ago, I decided to go out with him on the ice, mainly on Lake St. Clair. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, talk about why ice fishing was so important to your dad and, and whether – through this exercise, you, you came to understand more of the power it had over him. Yeah, I, I mean, that was one of the things that I just remember as a kid going, why is he interested in this? Why why on earth would someone get up at 6 in the morning in the freezing cold? And the thing that I discovered in this whole project is there are lots of people who do this, and they are so driven by it. And I was so I was curious, what what is driving him? And what I learned about his desire was it was it's it's a competition. He wants to go out there and see how many fish he can catch. And I one of the really cool descriptions that I heard people say about this is that on the ice in particular is that it's kind of like a treasure hunt because you you've got this small eight to ten inch hole and you you're just looking down at it most of the time and it's so 
thrilling, especially when a big fish like a walleye or a pike comes out of that hole. It's very <laughs> exciting. So for him, it was a lot of about the sport. How can I get there and out there and enjoy a sport and be competitive? Um, but another thing that really blew me away is the beautiful nature of the Great Lakes landscapes in the winter. And I would talk to a lot of people about enjoying the, the beautiful sunrises in particular that you'll see over the ice and the oranges and reds that reflect off of the blue ice. And sometimes the ice will be covered in snow and other times when the ice is melting, you'll have chunks of ice and the way that the ice reflects it's just, it's something that you, obviously, you don't get in the summer. And I even, there's another little, little anecdote I remember. Um, there was one little park that I would go to a lot, and there would always be a guy kind of just watching. He would just, and I asked him, because that's what I do, is I talk to people <laughs> when I take photos. And I said, I've seen you here two or three times. Why are you here? And he said, I'm just watching. And I thought, wow, that's really powerful that somebody's taking their time out to come and enjoy the Great Lakes in that way. And I think if you haven't seen a sunrise or a sunset over an icy landscape, and there's plenty of it in Michigan, right? It's something that you should do. It's it's pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. So both the nature and the sport is what I kind of those were the driving forces for a lot of people who go out there. So, so how did you come to realize that uh, climate was threatening this culture? I mean, we talk all the time here in Michigan about the lakes and the uh, the need for them to freeze over uh, each, each winter and the fact that sometimes they don't. Uh, in recent years, people have been a little panicked that they didn't freeze over. But I'm, but I'm wondering what that looks like from – that sort of first person level that you were experiencing. Yeah, I think that's one of, that's part of the beauty of this project is that I went into it wanting to get to know more about my father and as I talked with other people on the ice there would be these recurring stories and it would always be oh people lamenting about the season getting shortened and over the years you know my dad used to tell me cuz he's been doing this for 30 years right or 50 years I used to get out in early December and even fish until April. Um, so I, I would hear this. And even things like, oh, we used to be able to drive our car across Lake Erie. Even my <laughs> uncle learned to drive on the ice wow. on Lake Erie. And so that's how I started to learn that things have really changed. And I'm learning it from the ground level, right, from people who are out there experiencing it. And so then I started looking into the data, and that's when I was just blown away by what I was seeing. And um, is this something that the people who are involved in ice fishing, who are really into this uh, as, as not just sport but culture, are, are they talking about this a lot? Are they sort of lamenting it and, and wondering whether it will eliminate this thing that they love? Mm -hmm. Yes, people are talking about it. People are seeing this happen. Now, there are varying views about what is causing this or what is, um, you know, anything from, I, I got just, yeah, wildly different views about this is just a cycle and it's just going to come back and I'm not, 
very concerned to, yeah, I'm really concerned about my kids and my grandkids not being able to get out there. And here's the thing, as we're all on our iPhones all the time, this is a way to get out there and put that aside. And I, I would talk to a lot of fathers in particular because there, I was mostly meeting men out mm-hmm. there a few, a few, and talking about, oh, I used to do this with my dad. And I'm I'm concerned because we can only get out, you know, this year, I think on Lake St. Clair, you couldn't get out until mid-January. Wow. Yeah. Because it wasn't frozen over. No. I think so. I haven't paid as much attention this year because I've tried to stay inside right. <laughs> after 70 days on the ice and four months on the ice last year. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. My guest is Amy Saka, a Detroit-based photographer whose recent work is featured in a National Geographic article titled See the Vibrant Ice Fishing Culture Under Threat in the Great Lakes. I want to talk a little about the photography here, um, and uh, we should note that that this work appears in National Geographic. Um, but the way that you came to 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 do that uh, really was by going around and taking a lot of photos with your iPhone. And I really wonder about your perspective on this incredibly powerful tool we all now have in our pockets. Uh, that changes the way we interact with photography. Absolutely. Um, Again, like I said before, one of the things I'm really proud of with this project and a lot of the work that I do is bringing just my own personal desire to it as far as trying to answer the questions that are really concerning me. And so when I went out with my dad... I just took my iPhone. I did not take my professional camera out with me. I did not have any designs on this project. It was simply to get to know him. And, you know, here I am with my jeans on the, like wearing jeans. I was like not equipped to be out on the ice. And so I was using my, and I thought, well, maybe it would just be easier for me to use my iPhone because it's just quick. And um, so I started taking photos with with the iPhone and what is pretty amazing is I used those iPhone photos to apply for a grant from National Geographic to then further this project. Because as I learned about the ice cover, the diminishing ice cover, I thought, wow, this is something that I'd really like to explore. And as I looked into Nat Geo's uh, objectives, climate change is something that very much interests them. And it was un- underreported in our region so I use the iPhone photos to apply for a National Geographic Explorer grant, which then enabled me to travel last winter and do the project with my professional camera at that point. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, but but talk about the difference. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just it's not just a quality difference, and there still is some quality difference between the iPhone and a DSLR or a very mm-hmm. sophisticated. Uh, camera, but but uh, there's something about the way people shoot. I think that's also different about the iPhone, and maybe maybe a little better. I mean, as someone who's considers himself a, kind of an amateur photographer, I, I find myself shooting way 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 more with my iPhone now uh, than with my DSLR because uh, it's spontaneous, right? I get way more sort of candid moments and shots. 
with the iPhone, and the quality is almost as good as what I'd shoot with my Canon. Right, exactly. Um, so my background is more in street photography, and I think um, iPhones are particularly great as a street photographer for exactly what you're saying, for those spontaneous moments. And I also think there's the relationship between you and whomever is on the other end of it where there's not the intimidation factor with the iPhone. <laughs> and so sometimes I feel that people relax a little bit more with the iPhone. And they also, it's a bit of an equalizer. It puts you, you're not the photographer kind of looking at the subject as much. It's its more like, hey, this is what we all do in our daily lives. So there's not this kind of as much of a power dynamic, which I try to kind of eliminate anyway when I'm using my bigger camera because I just want to connect with people. But um, but on the flip side, I when you're using that professional camera, there is, there is a quality. There is, definitely is a yeah. quality yes. difference. And there's I mean, it's, even, it's able to take in far more light. It's able to create files that are much larger. There's no question that, that there are differences. Yeah, exactly. And with Nat Geo, I went out. One of the cool things I would try to do is I, I would just go out very early morning when it was really dark or after hours um, after the sun had set because then you get the hardcore ice fisher people <laughs> who are out there in the dark with just their headlights. And you can't use an iPhone in that situation and um you need that that really wide aperture right. lens mm -hmm. in order to to do that right yeah, yeah you need more power in your yeah. camera for sure <laughs> right right i'm talking with amy saka she's a detroit based photographer whose recent work is featured in a national geographic article titled see the vibrant ice fishing culture under threat in the great lakes so now that you've you've done this would you say that this exercise allowed you to know your father better? I mean, are you satisfied with what you started out trying to accomplish? I think I was able to honor my father in this way and honor what he enjoys. And yes, I got to know him better. I didn't really have many, to tell you the truth, I didn't have many surprises. <laughs> <laughs> kind of what I know about him is what I experienced out there and what I love. What just really touches me is to see him be so passionate about something. And that's why I care about this project so much is because I, I see the same passion that I bring to my photography. I see that in him and what he's doing. And I saw this in the hundreds of people I met on the ice, this intensity that they bring to what they do. And I don't know about you, but when you're around passionate people, it's very electrifying and so I loved seeing that in my dad. And the other thing is, too, is when I wrote the grant, my dad and I were up north. Here we are in the summer on another lake, and we are plotting my course for the Nat Geo grant of all the places I would go to. So I got to share that with him. Um, and that was really cool that he and, and my uncle were on the phone with me the entire winter going, you need to go here, you need to go here. And so I loved that sharing of passions in a way that, you know, I think maybe it was a little bit unexpected for me. How can we bring our lives together? And that, so yeah, I feel like at the end of the day, this project really 
honored him and what he loves to do and honors all the other people who are like him. Okay, Amy Saka, Detroit-based photographer. Her recent work is featured in a National Geographic article titled See the Vibrant Ice Fishing Culture Under Threat in the Great Lakes. Thanks very much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thank you. That's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, the community service of Wayne State University. I'll talk with you again tomorrow.